Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 19 of the Corona Diaries. Um, and um, we're, we're 24 hours behind, but I don't know if I'm allowed to tell you why. Though Mr. Mr. Steve Hogarth might tell you why, because we were due to record yesterday, H, weren't we? Oh, yes, we were. We were. We would, we'd, we'd agreed yesterday morning we would have a get-together, and um, yesterday morning, a few hours before that, I was still up. And so, um, not to put too fine a point on it, after a, after a night across the road with our mates Nick and James, um, I'd consumed rather more gin than I thought I had. And um, basically, um, yes, a podcasting yesterday morning became something that would have, well, if, if it might have been possible, but it wouldn't have been terribly entertaining. <laughs> it would have involved Ant talking a lot of me going... <laughs> it would have been a little bit like the Pascal Chauvet interview day that I did with Pete Travis, to be honest. <laughs> just been, there'd have been a Richard III <laughs> talking to Ant Short. <laughs> I have to say, whilst I think the right decision was made, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, yes, I know. know. I do just, think if you'd like the idea of me humiliating myself yeah. Yeah, to the good people of the world. But, um, well, I don't know if I, don't, I think I probably would have um, not suggested all of it gone out for broadcast, but I would have found it very, very amusing. Uh, <laughs> I never so. would have got it together to switch this technology on, let alone talk to you. <laughs> yeah. that, that would have been quite, quite amusing. But so, so we're running twenty-four hours behind, but that's fine. Yeah, I spent vast swathes can... of my life running four years out, so. Uh, <laughs> Twenty-four hours is mere bagatelle. <laughs> a mere bagatelle, um, and we've got a couple of pieces of housekeeping to pick up on. Um, yes, where the, is the she? The first one. There's <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just a pair of legs sticking out from under this dressing table. <laughs> Let's pick the housekeeper up. <laughs> She's found a gin as well. Yeah, she is. She needs attending to. Um, we we think we've made some progress um, on on the whole raffle thing. Uh, as a couple of people had pointed out, a couple of of, of the purple patrons had mentioned in one of the because um, there's a we've talked about this before, but there's a whole chat thing goes on amongst the the the, the purple people who subscribe, and there's an opportunities on within the Patreon platform to pass comment, and and there's quite a nice vibe goes on actually in uh, in some of those little conversations. And, and a few people have pointed out that we can use your spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. We can use the numbers on your mm-hmm. spreadsheet to actually facilitate a raffle. I can. Because I can. It's, everybody's, it's, everybody's got a number. Yes, and my spreadsheet is up to date, oh. folks. 
It's up to date. It's in the bloody moment. I tell you. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to distract myself here, but are you up to date on Croomcast as well? Because it felt like you got almost to all all the names. No, still there's still there's still some way to go. In fact, the the uh, by by merely diddling on my trackpad, I can oh. open up an app which will tell you where I got up to. It says. Oh, I have to start with someone I can't pronounce. Uh, Tula Menpa or Poor. Got to be finished. Tula Menpo. Number 503. Um, I've got to start with him. I think it's a him. There. Well, I've offended him by getting his name wrong and not realising he's a girl. Um, Both at once. Or offended her okay. by not real, realizing she's a geezer. Right. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to make any but, blanket comments about f- the the good people of Finland and alcohol consumption because I think I've overdone that in the past. Yeah. I, we, we, oh, many okay. years ago, we were on stage um, in Helsinki, um, and I was trying to say it was on the Brave tour, and we got to the we got to the the uh, we got to the song Brave with all the drones and Ellen pipes and then it quietens right down. And I sing, what a brave, brave girl. And somebody out in the crowd just went, what a brave, a brave girl, <laughs> with a heavy Finnish accent. Um, and it was just Larry. It was like trying to perform something very quiet and tender in a bloody cattle market and there was, you know, the clinking of glasses, the dropping of bottles, general drunken, drunkle, drunkle, drunken merriment going on. Drunkle merriment was happening too. And um, and, and so, so I had to stop and try again. And I had three runs at it. Uh, and every, t- every time I tried again, this same voice... Which was louder than me um, coming from the room. And the drones are still going, the rest of the band are waiting. So in the, and I'm trying to get into the zone to sing it, despite this, this piss head um, screaming away. Uh, so I said, so, so after three attempts, I said, I said, perhaps you'd allow me to just sing this alone. Um and the drones keep going, and I have I have a fourth attempt. And as I breathe in to try again, the same guy's going shh, 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 all the way through it. Um, so that's that's my <laughs> enduring memory of, <laughs> of the Helsinki crowd. So if it was him, uh, I'm going to thank he he's going to be thanked first, and the Croncast, right. Unless it wasn't. I him. hope it is him now. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I love the idea of you performing with a drunk Finnish Vic Reeves <laughs> in the background. It's, it's quite a beautiful. It's quite a beautiful thing. So, um, where where did where did that come from? Ah, so he's Raffle, next. So we got we'll, that we'll, was the answer. He's next. Your, uh, have you finished yet? To my have we finished? Yes. Uh, so he's next, right? Okay. And so yes, we're going to do the raffle. Uh, and we're going to kick the raffle off on the live 
show, um, the one that's going on on the Sunday over the couch convention weekend, uh, and we will do a, and we will find a suitable raffle prize. Now, um, blessed Josephine Elliott um, has suggested a couple of things, uh, including the fact I think she's got her eye on your blusher brush. Oh, yeah, well, she's not bloody having it. I tell you, right? This okay, blusher well, that, brush is, imp- that- is, is precious to me. Right. I use it for random acts of housekeeping. Right. Comes in quite handy for <laughs> micro dusting. I'm doing a bit now, actually. <laughs> micro dusting thing. <laughs> it's also very good for itching the end of your nose. Yes. Yes. So we need to come up with some form of prize for the raffle, some form of particular thing. Mm. But the blusher brush, unfortunately, is not going to feature. So nice suggestion. Um, basically, just close down cold there by by H. Really. Sorry, uh, sorry, fairly. Josephine, but you know, cheeky bitch. It's not. Her, I know it's happening. Her hands on my bloody blusher brush. She is. She is trying to get hands on the blusher brush. Insane blusher brushes aren't enough. Blush brush. Brusher blush. It is actually. <laughs> I do have to take a moment every time I say 48 hours after a Um, bucket of gin. Yes, yes. And also, before we start, I say before we start, we're 10 (laughs) minutes in. um, You were were telling me that you had a fairly uneventful but completely normal first day back in the studio yesterday. Yes. Yeah, yes, it was. It was about normal for a Morellian working day. We, we uh, I drove all. I drove to the racket club uh, along the back roads at high speed because I'm always late in the mini um, to discover that the road to Marsh Gibbon was closed, which meant I had to drive around the shires in all kinds of random directions to get to the studio. Um, I always leave my phone on silent by mistake because. I always and on a I bus always, and on a plane and in a hotel I room. We get to take Sorry. it off silent when I go to bed, and then it goes beep in the middle of the night and wakes Lynetta up and she spits rivets at me. Um, so I finally disciplined myself to the point where I can put it on silent, but then of course it remains permanently on silent twenty four seven. So when Ian Mosley phoned to say don't bother coming in, I never got that message. So I drove around all the shires. I get to the racket club and everybody's there except Mike who's broken down on the M6. Not not in a in the breakdown nervous kind of breakdown <laughs> but the uh, which wouldn't be a surprise to be honest. Uh but in the in the mechanical sense. Um he couldn't get his bonnet lid shut. <laughs> so he was waiting <laughs> So he was waiting for the AA. <laughs> We're just trying to take a crafty mouthful of coffee and nearly spat it everywhere. <laughs> he was waiting for the AA, so not having having seen Steve Rothery since March, we all went, oh, hello, how are you doing? Oh, you're looking well. You know, he lost a bit of weight, bless him. And, uh, and then Pete said, I particularly liked your bottom, Steve, which threw me into a bit of an internal spin because I, I thought perhaps he'd had it tattooed like Cheryl Cole. Um but it gradually transpired he was referring to some kind of Shakespearean thing that I, I hadn't been party to because I don't do a lot of Facebook. Um, so uh, I thought, well, I'll make myself a cup of coffee before we start. So I, I made myself a quick coffee in the kitchen and, and Mad Jack went by. And I said, well, is Mike not in yet? And he said, oh, didn't you get the message? 
uh, we're all about to go home. I said, well, I've just made myself a coffee. He said, well, you know, you can either pour it down the sink or talk to us. So uh, we had a little chat for a bit, and then we all went home again. And that's fairly typical of a normal Marillion working day. Um, so it wasn't that unusual, but that was day one, getting back together after six months. Uh, so we're going to have another go today. I think I think Mike's now in residence. And so uh, we've got a good chance of being able to actually make music today because we can't do anything without him. You know, he's like the te- he's like yeah. the teacher. He's he's got the keys to the pencil cupboard. Yeah. And that's that, you know. <laughs> we don't let you guys near the stationery without no, we're not, proper we're care. We're not allowed. We'd only r- run off and not put it back. Do you know what? The more I get to know you and, and the rest of the band, the more I wouldn't let any of you near a stapler. I, I, I really wouldn't. No. <laughs> Certainly not a gun cabinet, anyway. Oh, God, no. God, no. Uh, oh, it really is. Yeah, it's 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 chaos just waiting to happen. Um, but I've got to tell you about my then, COVID test. Can I tell you about that? Cause I, well, can I link? Can I link the bottom stories, and then can we do COVID? <laughs> link the bottom um, stories. Go on. I link the bottom stories because you you told me about Steve's bottom. Uh, well, Pete referring to Steve's bottom, um, and um, yeah, it could only happen on this podcast. I can still podcast. see all those roses, and, but never mind. Yeah, go on. <laughs> well, that's a that's a Sistine Chapel kind. Anyway, um, so. And then I saw a clip popped up on Facebook yesterday of you complimenting Steve Wilson on his ass. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I always bite she... Steve on the bum whenever I see him. Um, it's a sort of a greeting. Um... <laughs> I suppose it's COVID. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yes, it's safer than uh, shaking hands. <laughs> shaking hands. <laughs> <laughs> I once bit Steve on the bum in front of his mum and dad backstage in Paris, and not re- not quite realising they were his mother and father, and they both they both took three rapid steps back. That, who's this bloke who's just bitten our son's ass? Um, Do they not look like him? Are they like, are they like older <laughs> versions of him with the glasses and the straight no, hair? They look, they look nothing like him actually. But I, I know what you mean. I could imagine exactly how they might look if you extrapolated upwards. You know that that picture at the beginning of Rocky Horror with that famous American photo of the farming couple. <laughs> I, I just imagine Steve Wilson's parents looking a bit like that. With the glasses. Amish. <laughs> oh, st- steady on. <laughs> right. Okay. So. So yeah, I just met right. Steve on the ass um, at the uh, Classic Rock Awards, as, as you know, in front of the. Uh, Logos where you do the Pete. There was a there was a queue of people to interview him from various publications, and I sort of slid in and bit him on the ass, and um, and then I because he was trying to be sensible, wasn't he? He was trying to be very. He was well. Know. That's what. That's where all the fun comes from. With you know, there's no point in biting someone on the ass if they're not trying to be sensible, is there? What you no, know? I suppose not. There's no payback. There's no payoff. So um, Steve's always very, you know, thoughtful and sensible. He's he's not f- 
flippant and silly like me. Right. I, I, I say that as a compliment. So I guess what he really needs is somebody like you. <laughs> what he needs is someone like me. <laughs> in the background, that's exactly what he needs, isn't it? He should hire me in. <laughs> right. Hire you in to bite his arse. Hire me in for promo trips. <laughs> I could wear clown shoes. Okay. Anyway, you... you, <laughs> you we're not getting to the Europeans anytime quick, but no, I'm happy to go with it. So your COVID test, you said you had a COVID test. Oh, God, yeah. Well, and, uh, and that, folks, is as far as we got yesterday oh dear oh dear and we still don't know do we what what happened the ghost in the machine yeah yeah it just dropped out a record and went into play um well a very short time into the session and um yeah and we got to the end and i went like that to press save and oh jesus bollocks um (laughs) (laughs) Jesus is bollocks. Now, there's a thought for the morning. Yes, um, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord's gonads. Uh, I'm sure that's a pub round our way, actually. But, uh, There's no one of these things are happening to us when we're blaspheming no, not, not, in this not, awful not, way. Not Do you think it could have been Mossad? Some form of jamming system they've got. I think we're going to stop mentioning Mossad. You're making me nervous now. Right. It's bad enough, is it? I mean, these are all trigger words. There's things listening all over this house yeah. anyway. Bloody yeah. Alexas and Christ knows what and all this stuff that's there to help you out. Um, yeah, but if you mention Mossad, what does what does Amazon deliver you? I <laughs> Finger on my lips. Okay. Okay. Right. So anyway, that was just so. Twenty four hours on, we're now we're now going to see if we can recreate the magic because it was brilliant, wasn't it? That bit of audio the world will never hear from yesterday was probably the best we've ever done. Well, yes, yes, and those things always get better in your mind when you know you can't have them. It's like everything, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Really, as soon as something's lost, it, it becomes a treasure. Yes, so yesterday was Strawberry Fields and today's going to be when I'm 64. (laughs) Well, I am. Well, you are. (laughs) You you are. (laughs) Now I'm 64 in my case, unfortunately. Now I'm, yeah. Um, (laughs) Not for long either. Well, you've got a bit, yeah? Yeah, well, yeah. You know, well, forever if somebody shoots me or, you know, who knows? You never know, do you? You, you this don't, might be you don't. it. This, yeah. this might be the uh, the book. Today might I've been today might be the day. <laughs> I'm going to feel dreadful if everything happens to you today. <laughs> well, if a piano last... drops on your head when you walk out the door. Ah <laughs> oh dear, you shouldn't laugh. No, you shouldn't. That's what we can have well, on it... my gravestone. You shouldn't well, laugh. I, I, oh God. I promise. If anything fatal happens to you today, I won't laugh. No I promise. Um, so we we just finished talking about Steve Wilson. Uh, well, to Steve Wilson's arse, actually. Yes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he pulled it out of record. He is quite well versed with the old um, digital equipment, Steve, so whether he could have pulled the thing out of record from Hemel Hempstead, um, right. he, he might have an app 
I don't oh, know. The dark arts. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely he's a master of the dark arts. I'm rather hoping in, uh, to get backstage at one of his gigs in the future. I don't want to be shut out in the cold and the rain. So anyway, <laughs> we'd finished talking about Steve. We had. And then, <laughs> and then yeah. I got on a COVID test, didn't I? You, Yes, you yeah. were telling the world about your COVID test. So I'm going to let you take it away with your COVID test. All right, well, here we go. Well, I, I went for a COVID test last Friday at the Oxford Park and Ride. Um, which is where they've decided to set a, a drive-in one. Uh, so I thought I'd just drive in, you know, wind my window down and somebody would stick a spatula up my nose and I was quietly looking forward to that, as you can imagine, as I drove to Oxford. And I got to Oxford and uh, the heavens opened and it was absolutely lashing down. And I said, oh, blimey, I'm... Pulled into the Oxford Park and Ride, wondering where the testing centre might be, to be met with a little yellow sign with a straight-on arrow down this lane that said testing. So I drove down the lane, whereupon I came upon a, a man in a little orange jacket sitting in a fishing chair, wet through, pointing to the left. And I thought, well, that's a tough gig. Um, so uh, I turned left. And drove a bit further, whereupon I came upon another man in another fishing chair in another orange high-vis, um, wet through and bedraggled, pointing to the right. So I drove right a bit, whereupon I saw in the distance another man in an orange vest beckoning me forward in a very animated sort of way. So I drove towards him and into a gazebo which turned out to be gazebo number one. I just thought it was the gazebo. Uh-uh. So um, there were three people in the gazebo, only one of which seemed to know what was going on, and the other two were just sort of standing around gesticulating. Um, one of them was uh, was a nurse with a little NHS thing on her, on her chest, uh, so naturally I, I, I pulled up the car. It's quite a new car um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I haven't got to that point where it's second nature yet and that's an important detail because um, I, I naturally just wound down the window. So I pressed the down button to, to put the window down whereupon everybody started screaming at me, don't put the windows down, don't put the windows down and I didn't know how to stop it. Um so I, I quickly fiddled about and it, I got the window back up again um, whilst everybody was standing around ashen-faced as though I'd pointed a gun at them. Um, and, uh, and I turned the engine off. Oh, I, couldn't even, I couldn't even remember how to turn the engine off because by then I was a nervous wreck and I didn't know which button to press. And in the old days you just turned the key, didn't you? But, but now it's all, it's all fangled now, isn't it? And the key doesn't do anything except get you mean, lost. Um, you mean that button instead of a key? You've got a button. Well, yeah. you know, and I was panicking. I couldn't remember where the button was or which, whether, you know, which gear I had to be in for the button to work. Um, anyway, I turned the, turned the engine off and uh, I st- sat, sat there looking at this, this woman and these two blokes in the background and uh, she held up this card. Call this number, 07 blah, 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 diddly, diddly, do. And it's her mobile phone. 
So I get my mobile phone out and I dial it and hello. And she goes, hello. And I'm looking at her through the glass. She's literally six inches away from me, but I'm on the phone to her. So she says, uh, have you got your blob? I said, what? She said, you know, your QR code. You were sent it when you made the appointment. So, oh, all right, okay. So I go through all my emails and my phone and I find this blob. And I, I hold it up to the glass and she scans it through the glass. Then she goes and has a look at my registration and my car, which I also couldn't remember because it's a new car. Um and uh, then she said, lovely. oh, lovely, yes, we've got all that now. Can you drive to the next gazebo? Righty, you know, so I start up the engine, quite proud of myself that I managed to start the engine again. Um, and uh, I pull forward and there's a man in a fishing chair pointing to the left, wet through in the pissing down rain. So, so I, I turn left and drive around and then there's another gazebo with another three people. Um, only one of which knew what was going on. So I get to the, I'm, I'm hip to it now, you see. So I get to the next gazebo and I don't even try and put the window down. But even though I don't try, they all go, don't put the window down when I get there. <laughs> um, but I, and I forget to turn my engine off because that's freaked me out all over again. Anyway, I turn the engine off and she holds up another sign, phone me on 07 blah, da, dee, doo, dee, doo. So I'm, yeah, I'm hip to this. So uh, I phone her up and I get the answering machine. I'm looking at her, I says, it's on voicemail. She's going, oh, that's strange. And she, and then, so, so then she's tapping away on her phone. So in the end, that wouldn't work. So she said, is it all right if I shout at you through the glass? So I said, yes, I'd be delighted. So she's shouting at me through the glass. I've got to, I've got to wind down the passenger window now, uh, but no more than three inches. Well, I can't do that either because as soon as I hit the, the, the down, it goes all the way down. They're all screaming, no more than three inches, no more. I'm going, shit, how do I get this thing to go back up? So I go, So it's going up and down and up and down. I eventually, I eventually managed to stop it at three inches and somebody throws in a package. Um, you know, they really treated me like I was radioactive. Um, which, thinking about it, I suppose you would expect, but because I didn't feel ill and I have no symptoms, it all seemed a bit over the top. Um, but I suppose they've got to assume that you've got raging COVID, you know, when you yeah. turn up. So they treat you, you know, very much at arm's length. So this 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 other nurse is shouting at me through the glass, telling me how to open the bag and how to remove the spatula through the, with the little packet, taking great care not to break another tooth off. And um, I get the spatula out and he says, um, now put that down your throat as far as it'll go and wiggle your tonsils about. I'm thinking, oh, Christ. So, so I stick this thing down, trying desperately not to gag. For 10 seconds, she's shouting all this through the glass. <coughs> so I'm trying not to cough or throw up or, or you know, or anything else. And I'm, I'm trying not to move this spatula around too much, to be honest, because it's very unpleasant. Um, 10 seconds, right, lovely. I take it back out, but don't touch your tongue. I'm thinking, how am I going to keep it off my tongue? But I <laughs> try to keep it off my tongue on the way out. And then she, then she says, well, now shove it up your nose as far as it'll go. Righty-ho. Uh, so I sh sh I'm thinking, I'm sure somebody else was supposed to be doing this for me. I mean, who would trust a musician with something like this? <laughs> so I, sh I shove this right up my nose till it's 
poking out the bloody corner of my eye. And um, and that's not pleasant at all. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not like going into battle. Don't get me wrong. It's all right. <laughs> but it's just not pleasant. Um, leave it up there for 10 seconds and wiggle it about. So wiggle it about. My eyes are watering. Right. Well, we get through that. She says, now break the end off and put it in that tube. There's a little tube with some liquid in the bottom and a little orange cap. So I put it in the tube and I put on the orange cap. Oh, I've got some gloves on by this time because there was some gloves in the packet as well. So I've got these black gloves that smell a bit strange. And, um, right, you're all done. Drive to the next gazebo. And in the distance I can see a man in an orange vest beckoning me forward in the rain. So I got this gazebo number three, three more blokes, only one of which seems to know what's going on. And uh, same same deal, turn your engine off, put your passenger window down, no more than three And... Uh, and a, a, a bloke comes up with a plastic tub, holds it out at arm's length whilst turning his head away. And I've got to drop this little packet into the tub. So I dropped that into the tub and put your window up, put your window up. So I put my window up. That's it. You, oh, I'd, I'd had to phone him on his mobile as well. He wasn't on voicemail. He was... He was uh, but it's weird talking to somebody through the glass on a mobile phone because because their lips are moving and you're hearing what they're saying about a second later. So that messes with you a bit as well. So it was all a bit disorientating and confusing um, and a bit, you know, not without a certain nervousness. Anyway, I got all done and uh, then I was waved out and... Uh, a man in a fishing chair pointed to the left and I went down the lane, another man in a pissing, piss, in a pissing Fish, chair. A pissing chair. <laughs> <laughs> and a commode, oh, did he? Dear. Um, he pointed to the right. <laughs> commode. Could have been a commode. Probably been sat there all day. They probably need them. Um, and that was my COVID test. And uh, they texted me. Uh, not much more than a day later to tell me I hadn't got it. You, you were clean. Uh, Mosley, on the other hand, had to go back twice. They lost his test. Um, <laughs> then he had to go again, and that came back inconclusive, so he had to go to Luton. <laughs> How do you go and, to Luton you know, without catching something? Well, well, why would you send anyone to Luton for less than armed robbery? <laughs> um, so poor old Ian had to go to Luton um, for a third test, which 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 came back negative. But right. uh, he probably stuck it in his ear or something. <laughs> you've done, you've all done this to get Rothers back or to help get Rothers we, back in the studio, haven't you? Yeah, because as it turned out, we'd all been on holiday to various what we thought were safe places. It turned out to be unsafe places by the time we got back. Pete had gone to Turkey. Uh, which was safe on on the way out and unsafe on the way back. I'd gone to Denmark, which was safe all along, but but we'd, we'd driven, so we had to drive through France, Holland, Belgium, and Germany to get to Denmark. Uh, Belgium was iffy on the way there, so we tried to avoid stopping in Belgium, but on the way back, there was, it was just about all declared iffy. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, we didn't get out of the car much anyway and we came through the tunnel and you don't get out of the car um, there either, really. No. So we minimised, you know, being in amongst the great unwashed of the world. And um, so, but but nonetheless, oh, oh, and then Mark's got two stepsons who just got off a plane from Brazil. <laughs> yeah, that one's slightly worrying. <laughs> So poor old Rothers was was more than a bit nervous at the prospect of joining us all in a room. Um, so we said, oh, well, we'll all get tested if it helps. So we've all been tested. But, of course, to be honest, we probably we probably need another week, ideally, yeah. in case we're incubating it. But I've had no loss of, uh, of taste, you know. But I find that if you... Um, if you pour yourself, you know, a, a, a decent measure of rum in the evening and you can taste it, then you're probably COVID-free. Yeah, you're and, probably uh, fine, aren't you? I've, you know, during the evening I sometimes test myself eight or nine times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need to be sure. <laughs> oh, I've got a great joke that I forgot to tell you yesterday. <laughs> Are you ready? Go on then. How do you think the unthinkable? I I don't know, Steve. How do you think the unthinkable? <laughs> With an iceberg. No, I'm not getting that. <laughs> With an iceberg. Oh yes, I am getting that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how slow am I this morning? <laughs> it's a cracker, isn't it? <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Oh, all right, right, cats. If you're still waiting to get that, (laughs) listen to the podcast again. It took me a moment, but but trust me, it's good when you get it. Uh, This is this is the downside of recording an episode over three days. Uh, It gets it's like it's like we've been locked away. It's cabin for you. So, um. We we after after your week uh, mm. or your few days, which is, so everybody should be caught up now. So you should have some idea about what's going on in the studio. Yeah, uh, why you've been for a COVID test. Yeah, I can I got- can assure you all that my mosquito bites have healed and died down. My my legs are now roughly leg shaped again. Right, or they're my leg shaped, which is you know an approximation of leg shaped. Yes, yes, and and suitably clad in socks. Um, <laughs> Um, even if a beach is involved. Um, so we finished last week on, because we were talking about the Europeans, weren't we? And we got about halfway through the European story. We got in between albums, I think. Mm. Um, because we did we did the first album, we did the video, we did the release, The Flies. Vocabulary, okay. um, okay. yes. Uh, uh, which is which? Release the flies has now become a thing. The um, animals, the iguanas. Yes, the, the, the raw meat eating scene and the flies <laughs> and the yellow custard being dripped on me. Yes, what a curious video that was. We made it up as we went along, as you as you could probably tell if you watch it. Um, it was a sort of let's do this video. You know, <laughs> let's all let's all be made up as iguanas. Great. Oh, four hours of makeup. Shit, didn't I take this long? <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was fun. And uh, 
What happened? Well, we talked. You know, we had a we had a a minor hit in California. I've told you all about that and being on tour with Texas Tim and um, been the the New York Police Department drug squad offering me drugs as I arrived in Manhattan and um, and that was all all very interesting and 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 fun. So uh, yes, all that, and then we um, we went to what happened? What happened? What happened? We finished all of that, and then it was time to make another record. It was time to make the the difficult second album. And, and we... this is the bit that this is the bit I'm kind of interested in because I I watched a bit of the footage, and uh, you know uh, went through the various singles and the bits and things you can find on YouTube and what have you. And there seems to be a huge difference. Seems to be a huge development between the first and the second album, both in terms of a little bit of the style of the music, but also in terms of the look and that. Because you you said last week that um, as a group you were all convinced you were going to make it. That it was nailed absolutely on. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, mate. <laughs> uh, and when you look at the, the the footage of the stuff around the second album, um, it it looks like you've taken a real leap forward. It's got it, that that sort of post punk thing's kind of gone. It's all got uh, a little bit more disciplined, um, not polished in terms of the musicianship because that was absolutely there, but in terms of the image and the way you were presenting yourselves, you kind of almost presented yourselves as the fact that you were an established made band if that yeah. makes sense yeah and we did a we did a photo session for that second album with a guy called Nick Knight and he was absolutely brilliant it was the best photo session i've ever been involved in um and um before you know, i think A&M's art department brought him in to do the the photographs for the album and for um, that animal song um they 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 did a free they did a free record as well to promote that album which they put into the record stores and it said it said this this record is free on the outside you know um to to promote us so they you know they were throwing a lot sort of at it at that point they got Nick Knight in and um he came down to see us at a couple of live shows so so that he could get a feeling of what we were like as characters on stage. And the photographs he took of us, you know, were he made to reflect how we were as performers. Um, he was brilliant. And he's since become this huge, huge... I mean, he does Vogue covers now. You know, mm. you can't get him out of bed for less than 30 grand. So mm. I've not been able to work with him again, but I'd love to. Mm. Um so yeah, the image was very, you know, was 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 very polished and sorted for the for the second album, and we delivered it to A and M, and we kind of delivered it. You know, we were we were very pleased with it when we when we'd done it. We thought it was a huge improvement on the first album, which we thought was a bit rough and ready. Um, David Lord, who worked with Peter Gabriel. Um, he produced it, and Warren Livesey um, engineered it. And Warren then became famous because he produced the Midnight Oil album, uh, Diesel and Dust, and they had a hit with Beds Beds Are Burning. Mm. And Warren Massive had done that. Hit. And then Warren later did the um, Infected album for the The, which I mm. ended up playing piano on because Warren rang me up one day and said, you know, 
Matt needs a bit of blues piano. What's your blues piano playing like? And I went, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, well, he can can find out it's not when I get there. Um, (laughs) Did did you set off thinking, oh, I'm going to get kicked out of a room here by Matt? Yeah. Yeah, excellent. (laughs) More or less. That's going to be a good story. It was close because Matt... Matt took no prisoners. You know, he was very nice, but he was, you know, very exacting. And uh, But it was quite good fun doing that session. It, I mean, weirdly, although I'd been brought in to do a blues piano solo, it was on a piece of music that, that you couldn't do a blues piano solo yeah. on, really, because of the chord sequence, wasn't it? It wasn't a blues song. Um, so I just did the kind of thing blues piano players might play, um, you know, you know the, the Leon Russell sort of thing. Hmm. over it to the best of my ability and um i think Warren then edited it together and it turned out quite you know it's quite cool it's a cool little solo it wasn't a real piano either it was a, it was an early early kurzweil right um but i really enjoyed that and and and, and later as i've probably said before i don't know if i've said it in this podcast but i so nearly toured with the, the and when when Marillion um, approached me to to be their, you know, to be their singer, I'd already agreed to to play piano on the Mind Bomb tour for the mm. there. So I had this really weird choice to make. You know, do I join the coolest band in the world, or do I join the least cool band in the world? <laughs> Not many people have had to make that choice. <laughs> no. uh, so naturally, I joined the least cool band <laughs> yes. in the world, and not, and not many people probably would have made the decision you made. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> um, I suppose there's always the chance that you'll then be the coolest person in the least cool band in the world. I didn't really think of it in those terms. I mean, <laughs> Did I mean, you not? It, I mean, it was just simply that. In fact, the reason I joined, the, the main reason, I, I, I kind of even went and met the boys was was daryl way who was my drinking mate in windsor and uh, i was talking to him about about the dilemma in the pub you know i said well you know i'm going out and do, gonna go out and do this the other tour in the summer you know i'm really excited about it but i've had marillion on the phone and they want to meet me and daryl said oh you want to go and meet them they're really nice they're really nice people um and had it not been for Daryl saying that, I probably never would have, you know, gone. No. Um, so I got Daryl Way to thank for it all, really. And then having met the band, he was quite right. You know, they're lovely people and they're very pure in their in their attitude to their music. And we we, we undoubtedly it was obvious we had a chemistry from the moment we met. Mm. So then I was faced with the choice of. You know, do do I do I do I join this unit um, as a creative artist, or do I just go and be a, a hired hand for Matt Johnson, mm-hmm. do a tour, and then you know go home? Because that would have been mm-hmm. probably the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would have come out of that the, the tour with a lot of kudos, and I'd have been cool because I'd have been involved in it because johnny marr was playing guitar and all these cool people were were in the band and i would have therefore become a cool addition um 
which which who knows where that would have taken me after that i don't know but i don't think i'd have really wanted to spend the rest of my life as a session piano player you know or session keyboardist um um I i was much better off really although as everybody always still says to me i'd got some pretty big shoes to fill uh following fish so that was the downside of taking this gig was that um i would always be that bloke who isn't fish and mm. and have been for the last i think i'm you know i'm probably just crawling out from under that shadow now <laughs> <laughs> but only occasionally <laughs> well, well, well in which case here's hoping that nothing happens to you today then based on what we were talking about earlier well yes and let's have some sympathy for the poor bastard who has to follow me if i if i croak because <laughs> he's gonna have to do 40 years to get over me i think <laughs> that's not even worth thinking about <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know how we got there from talking about david lord producing the album no i never really got got that much into that so yeah back 10 spaces to um to the recurring dreams album we, we recorded that at um rockfield in in wales a famous sort of rock studio really it happens to be called rockfield because it's in a place called rockfield not because it makes rock records although it has made lots of rock records well everybody's everybody's been there haven't they um, yeah literally just you know, queen, about everybody. queen queen used to go there led zepp used to go yeah. there didn't they yeah led zepp used yeah. to like to, to to go there um didn't oasis record there was I think some have definitely so. maybe done there Who's or that other band, not the Mannix. Who is that band? I think the Mannix uh, have definitely done that. Some somebody or uh, I told you that story about him, didn't I? Um, Scream Adelica. Who who were they? Oh, Primal Scream. Pri- Primal Scream. Um, Bobby Gillespie. Did I tell you the Japanese story about Bobby Gillespie coming up in the lift in Tokyo? No. Have, I, have I gone public with that at all? I don't think you have. Me and Mark Kelly were in this hotel in Japan the first time I went to Japan with Marillion. It's called the Rapongi Prince Hotel and it's built like a big, big um, cylinder, right. you know, um, with, a, with a, you know, a space in the middle and a swimming, an outdoor swimming pool in the middle and the hotel is wrapped around it all in a cylinder. Um and so when you when you're upstairs in this hotel, if you're in the corridor, you can look across the cylinder and you can watch the elevators going up and down because they're they're you know they're in they're glass and you can see who's in the lift. And uh, Mark and I just got back from wherever we'd been night out. It was probably about one in the morning, or it could have been a gig or whatever it was. And uh, we just happened to be walking down this corridor, and I said, "Oh, look! You can, you can. Oh, who's this getting in the lift?" And we looked through the glass, and this guy, and it was so hot outside. It was about thirty-four degrees on the street and really humid. And this guy got in the lift in this great big coat and a Russian sable hat, um, dressed for Moscow midwinter. You know, I said, "Look at this character here in the lift." And it was Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream. And uh, he went up in the lift and he went he went past our floor and carried on up and then he looked he looked across at us and and you could see that he'd clocked us and he came back down to our floor. We thought, <laughs> oh shit, he's coming to see us. 
So he got out of the lift and he came <laughs> He came round and he said, all right, lads, you look like a couple of musicians. And we said, yeah, yeah, we're from really. Ah, I see. Uh, would either of you two gentlemen happen to have some narcotics? <laughs> and we said, no, no, mate, we got, not really, we were just going to bed. Ah, that's a shame. He said, well, if I were you, I'd go to bed straight away because there's some real fucking animals about to come into this hotel. And that was his band he was talking about. <laughs> and he advised us to go straight to bed before the rest of his band clocked us, at which point we'd be in terrible trouble of some sort. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think Primal Scream. Who was the other band, the one that, um, oh, the Manchester band? Um, Happy Mondays Ian, Ian Brown Ian Brown. Oh, Stone Roses Stone Roses did an album in Rockfield as well And they signed the guest book Because Marillion went And I think when Nick Davis remixed Cannibal Surf Babe He did that in Rockfield And we all went there And Stone Roses had just left They'd been in there for about two years Trying to make an album And uh, they'd signed the guest book and all the comments were about how they hadn't really made any music, but that the apple pie and custard was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think the apple pie had cost them about 150 grand. Um, and I think they split up, you know, after that. Um, so we went, we went into, getting carried away again, we went into Rockfield to make recurring dreams. Um, and that was a very interesting process because Rockfield is owned and managed by a couple of really eccentric guys called Kingsley and something else. They're brothers. And um, you'd be in the control room and one of them would just come in like you weren't there and set up a set up a big stepladder and start faffing about with the ceiling and uh, tap, tapping on the uh, suspended ceiling tiles. <laughs> You know, all in his, his own little universe like nobody else was in the room. And he'd be going, what's he doing? Oh, better leave him alone. He seems to know what he's doing. You know, maybe, maybe there's a leak or just a, <laughs> maybe there's a small fire. Leave him to it. You know, don't interfere with him. So he would come in and out and just do odd things. Um but I think you know he'd probably he'd probably seen them all come and go. He'd probably mm. he probably knew you know he probably knew Robert Plant. And he'd probably seen the boys from Queen come and go, and all of that. So that was an interesting process. And then we went off to Sam East in Shoreditch to mix it. Um, and um, we were really pleased, really pleased with how it, how it all came out. I mean. I mean uh, I thought I, I was very happy with Acid Rain and, and with Burning Inside You. My favourite song was the one was one of the ones I didn't write. It uh, was Ferg wrote a song called Hometown, uh, which I really love, and I, and I still find myself walking about singing that to myself now, mm. all these years later. It's a fabulous song. So it was a good album. We delivered it to A and M. And it was cursed in so much as, you know, within days of us delivering it to A&M, 
um, the managing director and the A&R department and everybody got fired by the American parent company. And A&M Records went into mothballs for about 18 months until they appointed a new director and a new A&R department and that stuffed our album and it stuffed us really because we weren't financially viable without record company support at that point. Mm. And we got to a point about a year, you know, the, the months dragged on and the money slowly started to run out and dried up. And no one was picking up any of the invoices, and and we were we were buggered, and we we had a manager at that point called Mark Thompson, and he said, "Well, the the only way forward, as far as I can see, is to go in there and try and negotiate you out of this record contract, on the grounds that the record company no longer effectively exists." And uh, so he did that. And we all, we were all absolutely 100% confident we'd get signed up the following week by another one of the majors, you know, that they'd jump on it because we were up and ready. Um, and uh, nobody did, much to our surprise. Um, a couple of the major labels came and had a look at us and for whatever reason didn't sign us up. They, maybe they thought we were sold goods or whatever. Um, and then um, a guy called Peter Carpin who was famous in the music business for having signed Men at Work down in uh, Australia I come from a man down under all of that Um, he'd come to London and been given his own label called Portrait Records which was a subsidiary of CBS and he uh, he wanted to sign me as a solo artist. I mean, our manager had been talking to Peter about signing Europeans mm. and he came back and he said, well, I'm not really interested in signing Europeans, but I'll sign Steve Hogarth. You know, think we can sell him. <laughs> 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 For whatever reason. Um <laughs> So that left me with the most appalling dilemma because, um, you, you know, and we were like Europeans at that point. We were all like brothers. We'd, we'd spent mm. so much time together. But we were desperate and nothing was happening. And, you know, and about a year had passed since A&M had imploded. Nothing was going on. There was no money. And... It didn't seem to me like I had any option but to to take the only option that that was there, at least according to our manager. He presented it to me as the only viable option and what did I want to do? And I don't know whether I should have said, well, you know, I'm, going, I'm not interested. I'm going to carry on living on Taramasalata and toast and hang on for another year in case... Euros can get a deal. And maybe I should have done that, but I didn't. Mm. And um, I, I went ahead with the with the, the, that deal and I sort of invited Colin Ward, the guitarist, to sort of join me as a, you know, we could be a duo because we were, we'd been writing songs together. We'd just written Dry Land together at that point which I thought was a really good song. Mm. Um, 
and so you know then our manager went back to peter carpin and said well i can sell you the half of the europeans as a duo you know final offer and they went for that and we ended up calling ourselves how we live and at that point in the 80s it was quite popular to sign duos you know because tears for fears had become really big i think i think uh roland orzabal once said to me (laughs) they used to call themselves two puffs and a synthesizer <laughs> it was very, it was very fashionable to sign two puffs and a synthesizer <laughs> at that point, you know, tears for fears and uh, and uh, what are they called? Very slight. What are they called? I got, you know, I drifted in. Steve, Steve Tennant, and oh, Pet Shop Boys, Pet Shop Boys, yeah. Depeche Mode. I mean, the, the list is endless. Yeah. Two puffs, Ira- synthesizer. Ir- Ir- Erasure. Erasure. What's not to like? Communards. <laughs> Communards. So we were signed as two puffs and a synthesizer. Um, not. I suppose Bronsky beat before that. <laughs> yeah, we, we keep on going. It was, the, it was the thing <laughs> it in was the 80s. The thing. So uh, we, we managed to get signed, even though, you know, neither of us were gay and we didn't have a synthesizer. But... Um, that but was you the don't vibe. let a little thing like that hold that you back. That was the vibe, yeah. We could always put a synthesizer in the photo <laughs> shoot if it'll help. And camp uh, it up a bit. Uh, yeah, well, I'm more than capable of that. <laughs> um, Surely not. <laughs> so that kind of was the death knell for the Europeans in the end. I, I still regret it, you know. Still, There's still a kind of mm, feeling that, you know, maybe I should have hung on a bit longer and... Jeff, our drummer, um, remains convinced that there was a deal on the table uh, that Sire Records in America would have signed us. Um, Whether that's true or not, you know, it's something Jeff personally believes. Uh, It's something that Mark Thompson, our manager, denies. Um, So who knows? Mm. Well, we'll um, we'll revisit this because we'll we'll talk about how we live and how that project, the you know, came about and and how it sort of went through the arc of that project a bit a bit later on. So uh, the only question I've really got left, um, I'm also conscious about the fact this is probably going to be the longest episode, the longest chapter we've ever done. But the 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 the, the question left now because somebody has mentioned it as well in one of the one of the chats. Um, who owns that material now? Um, because you 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 put out the How We Live album and Racket put out the How We Live album mm. and they put out recurring, recurring Dreams for a very short period of time. Well, we managed to persuade somebody at CBS to let us license it to Racket because they weren't doing anything with it. And I think they... they so they licensed it to us um, and we were able to... to to put that out and i think that's still available at racket isn't it i think you can still get it from racket i haven't checked recently but i got a copy fairly recently so okay and the european stuff i think a&m was sold to polygram um further down the line and then polygram was sold to somebody else i don't even know it might be warners warners might even you know, and somewhere in their vaults, they might have the European stuff if they haven't lost it. 
um, because things get lost in record labels mm. as well. You know, they lose the masters and lose the artwork, mm. and it ends up in skips when they're moving from one building to yeah. another, and all of that. A and M used to keep all their masters in in Billingsgate Fish Market. They had a room because apparently it was better for the tape if it was kept cold. And yeah. they used to rent a big room in uh, at Billingsgate. Um, and that apparently that whole that there was a little area of of London around Billingsgate that was like permafrost. The whole the whole lot was frozen, but from the fish market. I could have dreamt that. Oh, I hope not. It's a really good story. <laughs> but A and M definitely kept their masters in Billingsgate, um, next door to the next door to the fish. There, there's another there's there's another t-shirt there somewhere. But... <laughs> That's going on a mug, right? Okay. Um, I suppose it'd be, it'd be quite nice to hear recurring dreams. I'm assuming you've got a copy floating around somewhere, have you? Yeah, yeah. I I, I will have one. I will have one somewhere. Yeah. It was a good sounding record because uh, Warren had engineered it and, mm. and and David was a good engineer as well. So it's a it's a cracking cracking um, audio thing as well. And you yeah. still you still play Acid Rain, don't you? Occasionally, as a certain on an eight show. Yeah, it occurred to me one night in Liverpool to do it and to invite members of the audience. I never had enough hands. To, to, to play it you did that at the cavern because I was there that night did I did I do it yeah because there's three elements let me see if I can fire this piano up oh no I can't because Emile's run off with the mains lead <laughs> so I can't there's three elements to it there's a ding then there's a left hand and then at the top there's a I haven't got enough hands to do it. I've only got two hands, and and the three elements are crucial. So I, I got you know, and uh, I thought it'd be a giggle to get somebody up out of the audience to do the, bing. They won't. They don't have to play the piano. I can just show them. Just play these two notes, you know, and keep them going, and and don't stop whatever happens, and I'll play <laughs> and I'll... the rest against it. So that used to be quite, quite a laugh. So I have, yeah, I have played Acid Rain. Um, and I get requests, you know, to do Don't Give Your Heart to Anybody and to, and to do Burning Inside You. I've done Burning Inside You as well at H Natural Gigs. Mm. But I always struggle when I get the chorus to do the dee dun dee dun dee dun dee dun dee dun ding dun dee dun dee dun dee dun dee dun which is fine till I start singing. And it really messes with your head to play that because it's it's not quite it's not straight rhythmically. You try and sing yeah. straight across it, it mashes your brain. It usually, all goes horribly wrong. So, <laughs> I only play burning inside you if I've had quite a lot of tequila and I'm past caring. Right. Well, there's there's a marker. If he plays it when you see him, he's pissed. Doesn't usually uh, enhance the performance. <laughs> but you don't care. <laughs> um, um right well we better do some diary um and um i believe i believe it's um it's buenos aires i think you're gonna jet off from from north and go south yes um, yes we and, were in la weren't we hanging out with irs it was great yes. fun um and then mark and i got on a plane went to buenos aires mexico city 
and uh, seem to stay in Mexico City for quite a while, and then you, and then go home. Go home. So we'll 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 do it. We'll do that, and then we'll get together for a very very swift wrap up, which isn't a raffle, um, 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 because this episode's about four years long. It feels for you. We say we're recording it for forty eight hours, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my red line's still on. I'd just like yeah, to. Or, say, or, I've, I've had an eye on it, and it's oh, she, she fairly confident. We, I better we can, check mine. We no, can mine's put all right this one as well. Out. Right, well, we've definitely got this much. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I've put the tracks together, and my, like in a continuous thing. I'm now on two hours and four minutes for this episode. Oh, God. You see, <laughs> that's value for money, that is. That's, that is, that's, that's value for like money. a Bruce Springsteen um, gig. We could put this out as one of those things to help people sleep. We could. <laughs> It's not going to work. Right, go on. <laughs> diary then. Diary. Take take us take us to Buenos Aires, Steve. Oh, lovely. Yes. Tango, anyone? Saturday, 29th of February. Buenos Aires. The flight, 11 hours, from LA to BA, proved less boring than anticipated. I managed to sleep until six, and the rest of the day seemed to pass quite quickly. The in-flight movie was good, and the staff friendly and helpful. You'd have thought I'd have mentioned what the in-flight movie was, wouldn't you? But I haven't. Arrived in Buenos Aires at 5.30pm and hung around for two hours waiting to be met. It never happened, so we got a cab to the Sheraton. I was very surprised by Buenos Aires, much greener, more European, and not as poverty-stricken as I'd naively imagined. The people have the Latin American warmth and vitality, and I feel much more at home here than in America. In the evening, I went down to the bar to meet up with the rest of the band, who seemed in good spirits, despite a long flight via Paris. Sylvina from the record company took us out to dinner and then on to a club, where we were given champagne, compliments of the management. The jet lag was now working the other way round, and so Jack and I didn't feel tired until about 5am. Sunday, 1st of March, Buenos Aires. Had a lion until two and wound my way down to the poolside to try and write a bit more of this diary. Constantly distracted by loud American women, I gave up and returned to my room. Did an interview at three and then left for the TV show for sound check at four. There was a permanent encampment of kids outside the hotel waiting for a local Spanish act who are, needless to say, very popular. At the TV station... The street was full of teenage girls. Vanilla Ice was also doing the show. Sound check was uneventful. I couldn't understand why they were checking the tom-tom mics. We were miming. Perhaps Mosley had insisted, just to see if they'd do it. Back at the hotel I had a bath, and then we returned to do the TV show. Backstage, all was chaos. People everywhere, camera crews, interpreters, dancers... Vanilla Ice's entourage, record company people, etc. When we eventually hit the stage, the TV audience were all vibed up. 
There were more of our fans in the audience than we'd imagined, waving banners and whatnot. The spot went well and the show's host gave me a leather jacket. Afterwards, we showered and went out to dinner with the record company girl, Sylvina, and the promotion company girl, Nora. Mad Jack told them Roy Hill's ESP joke, which by definition isn't fit for publication here. Tried to find a club, but they were all closed. Monday, 2nd of March. Buenos Aires to Mexico City. Had a lie-in, up at 12 to get ready to leave by 2. I popped to the shop in the hotel to buy souvenir t-shirts, then checked out and we left for the airport. Ian, P and Steve went separately to leave for London, while John, Mark and I were to fly to Mexico City via Rio de Janeiro. Had a banana milkshake and a beer and wished goodbye to Sylvina, Nora and Ernie. The general feeling seems to be that we'll come back in the autumn to play live. It was strange to be landing in Rio after so much time. I wish we hadn't gone via Rio because when we got into the terminal I realised I'd left a poster, Norman Parkinson's Hat Fashions, which I'd bought at the Museum of Modern Art in New York on the plane. Varig Airlines wouldn't let me back to the plane to get it and maintained that they'd searched the plane and it wasn't there. But it was. Rio Airport seems to be under reconstruction and looks like a garage. We found a kiosk which was selling caipirinhas in plastic cups. It brought all the good times back. Groan. After three long hours we boarded the plane to Mexico City and, still stinging with frustration at the theft of my poster, I drifted off to sleep to dream of murdering Varig Air crew. When I woke, I could see an enormous expanse of streetlight coming up through mist. It wasn't mist, it was pollution. This is Mexico City. Tuesday, 3rd of March, Mexico City. Arrived at MC and managed to get off the plane without leaving anything on board. We were met at the baggage carousel by Michelle from EMI Mexico, who had already arranged our hassle-free passage through the airport. Here in Mexico, EMI seems to be able to facilitate a stress-free journey through immigration and customs. I bet the airport manager has an impressive CD collection. Drove through the busy streets to the Holiday Inn, checked in and went to bed. Up at 12 and was driven half mad by the hotel operator as I tried in vain to call home to England. I eventually discovered that she thought England was in America, hence the problems with long-distance dialing. Had lunch with John and Jack, feeling jet-lagged once again. I think that might have been the operator who asked me if England was in Scotland and then thought Scotland was in America. At two o'clock, Michelle returned and we drove to visit a couple of radio stations. The vibe at both radio stations was one of awe. They treated us as if we were legends. In the evening, we went out for dinner to Carlos and Charlie's restaurant and clothes line, a sort of Mexican version of the Hard Rock Cafe, but with its own take on food, good taste and its own sense of humour. I bought a denim jacket for Stuart, my brother-in-law, as a thank you for his efforts in creating our headboard back home. I also bought myself a white shirt which had words emblazoned across the back. 
I don't speak English, but I promise not to laugh at your Spanish. It was a pleasant evening. Returned to the hotel and slept for not too long, once again waking in the early hours to watch the insides of my eyelids. Wednesday, 4th of March, Mexico City. Up at eight and out at nine, along with Mad Jack, John, Michelle and journalist photographer to visit the pyramids of the sun and moon at Teotihuacan. Chatted with Robert, a young journalist who gave us background information on the history of Mexico City as we drove out through the shanties. Water supply is the biggest problem here, he says, because there is no water locally and it must be piped in from the sea 200 kilometres away. Nick Belshower, our tour manager, was later to add that it's 8,000 feet up in the fucking air as well. Corruption within the government doesn't help the lot of the poor people who live without decent water, electricity, housing or sewage systems. When we arrived, we climbed the Pyramid of the Sun, which only took a few minutes, posed for loads of photographs and bought gifts from the traders who wander around pestering the tourists with silver and obsidian artefacts. I bought a few, and I'm glad I did. There is much talk of these pyramids being a magical place, but I didn't feel anything myself. Too many tourists, I suppose. We then watched the flying men of Papalanta, who swing upside down on ropes from a massive maypole-like post. When they reach the bottom, they run off and return to sell bottles of vanilla extract for cooking. The rest of the day was spent interviewing. In the evening we had dinner, Italian, then went to a small outdoor gig. I got up and sang with a local band. We were all nursing sunburn, especially Jack who had burned his neck, quite badly, at the pyramids. Thursday, 5th of March, Mexico City. Up at 8.30 to leave at 9 for a press conference at EMI-MC. The news is good. We have a promoter wanting to do a show at the 10,000-seater and confident of a sellout. The EMI building is in the old Spanish style, high-ceilinged, light and airy with wooden floors. We did the conference in a room which felt like a recording studio, but converted for our purposes with a large conference table. The walls were decorated with framed Beatles album covers. I think they had all of them. It was strange to be surrounded by such significant ghosts. The conference went well, I thought. I managed to voice my opinions and feelings positively and for once concisely. The rest of the day was spent doing phoners and then TV interviews at the hotel. In the evening we made a return visit to Carlos and Charlie's ate and drank frozen strawberry margaritas, risking Montezuma's wrath. Afterwards, went to Rockstock Club, which was like a first-floor garage, packed solid with kids who seemed to have breathed all the available air before we arrived. Didn't stay long. Friday 6th, Mexico City. This was a day off at last. I could hardly believe I slept till 9.15. Showered and had Rice Krispies and coffee with John in the restaurant. Michelle came around at 10 and after signing a guitar for some fans who were hanging around, we set off to one of the big markets. This was a fantastic place, 
packed with the fruits of Mexican handicrafts, silver jewellery, glass, fabrics, wooden masks, furniture, carved stone, obsidian and crystal. Bought earrings and necklaces, hair slides, woven wristbands and appalling trousers for Trevor. John, Jack and I posed as the three amigos in outrageous Mexican hats. It should be a good photograph. Came close to buying a stained glass lampshade for the new house, but decided that getting it home would be a nightmare. Interestingly, I did actually buy one on a later tour. Managed to get it home, and it's hanging up in my kitchen right now. Returned to the hotel and had lunch with Michelle. Later, she took us to the downtown area of the city, where there are beautiful old buildings, a cathedral, government house, and the ballet. This area was originally built on the site of an old lake, and, like Venice, the buildings are very slowly sinking. Back to the hotel, tried to tempt little street children to be photographed. They took my money, then ran away. Fair enough. Taken out to dinner, Japanese, then to Rockstock, the sweaty garage, once again. Got sloshed. In bed by 3.30. Saturday, 7th of March. Mexico City, sky. I had forgotten to close my curtains. I was consequently woken by the early morning Mexican sunshine streaming across my tired vision. It was seven o'clock, so I rose, showered and set about trying to pack the many things I'd acquired during the last two weeks. It took until 8.30, which was leaving time. Michelle took us to the airport, where we were greeted by the smiling, affable airport officials who took care of us during check-in. Had a spot of breakfast in the airport cafe and said our goodbyes to Michelle. I felt a bit iffy during the flight to New York City, especially on landing. I wouldn't recommend combining a hangover with cabin pressure. We had two hours to kill before boarding the plane to London. In the departure lounge, we bumped into none other than Dwayne Welsh, the chap who made the phone call to my house to ask if I'd be interested in meeting Marillion for the first time back in 1989. He's the son of Bruce Welsh from The Shadows. He used to work for John Arneson, but now works for BMG Music in Hong Kong and was travelling to London on the same flight. He came back to where we were sitting for a chat. The flight has been okay up to the time of writing, only six and a half hours to go. Jack's sitting next to an F-111 pilot with a compass on his watch strap. And we're back. Um, back, back from from the salsa of South America. It's salsa's Brazil, isn't it? I've got the countries wrong, haven't I? I've no idea where salsa's from. Isn't that more like Haiti or somewhere like that? One of the no, islands. Brazil is samba. Oh, Brazil samba. is samba. samba Argentina salsa, salsa, samba. is tango, and right. Mexico City is uh, is. Uh, Mariachi. Mariachi. Oh, God, that's a story. I mean, not this time, but um, I think the, 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 an album later or so 
Mark, Mark Kelly and I were once again flown to Mexico to do interviews and we, we were flown straight there from Japan. Um, we'd been in Japan doing some shows and somebody in their wisdom decided uh, we could back-to-back get, you know, fly to Mexico and do some interviews. Now, the jet lag from Japan to Mexico is beyond punitive. It's like, it feels like a day and a half. Um, <laughs> because it takes about a day and a half to get there, of course, it's a bloody long flight. And we actually flew over the World Cup final, which was being held in a stadium in Pasadena in America. I remember looking down from the air, from the 747 into the stadium going, that's the World Cup final now, then we can't bloody watch it because we're on this plane. And we got to Mexico City at about, I don't know, five in the evening we touched down and we were absolutely so far beyond tired. It was, un- you know, I mean, I can't put into words how tired we were. It was about four in the morning in our minds when we touched down and neither of us had managed to sleep. And we... Uh, we got in a car and through all the heavy traffic of Mexico City, finally arrived in this hotel. And it was one of those, you know, like many of my hotel arrivals, I've got, I'm just going to check in and go to bed. And the check-in process, if it takes 10 minutes, it feels like two days because all you want to do is get your key so you can go to bed. And uh, it was one of those. So we, we checked in and got the key. I was just about to get in the lift and these two guys from the record company, Raymundo, one of them was Raymundo, these two guys from the record company steamed into the hotel in party mood, thrilled to see us. Yes, Steve, are you in Mexico? Yeah, I'm going to bed. No, 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 I'm going to have a drink. There's absolutely no way on God's earth I can have a drink. I'm really (laughs) sorry. We've come from Japan. We've been on a plane for 18 hours. We're done, man. We're really done. Well, maybe we could just have one in the bar. We, I can't even do one in the bar. And Mark's going, we could maybe have a half in the bar. I'm going, we can't have a half in the bar. So Mark persuaded me to have a half in the bar. And we, so we, we went up to our rooms, washed our faces. I was on my knees. I came down in the lift. And the two, somehow the two of them managed to persuade us out of the hotel and into town and we went round town we went round about eight bars <laughs> tequila doing all, all of this and I was like I should have been I was ready for hospital at this point <laughs> and it, we ended up in about the, the the fifth bar it was two in the morning by then you know having been determined to go to bed at 7 p.m um they they took us into this bar that was like a cave and it had um, it had barrels uh, 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 sort of on their ends for tables, um, and I fell asleep with my forehead on the on this barrel. Um, and just after I passed out, this mariachi band struck up. Someone had arranged for a mariachi band to come and serenade us at the table. <laughs> Uh, and so my head hit this barrel and I, 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 you know, I passed out and then I woke up in the horror of, of all these guys going, and these trumpets, which is the loudest thing you can ever imagine if it's in your face. 
And to this day, I cannot hear mariachi music without twitching. <laughs> there we are. Okay. <laughs> um, in fact, in fact, there's a moment in that Dudley Moore film. You know, you know, you know there's a ten, the one with Bo, ten Derek, with Bo Derek, and he ends up he ends up in this hotel room, and uh, I think he's in Mexico or Tijuana or somewhere, and this mariachi band strikes up outside his room, and and, and he comes bursting out of the balcony, <laughs> horrified, and I can totally relate to that moment because I'd already I'd had it at close quarters okay okay I so yes just mariachi music mariachi is Mexico okay thanks thanks for clarifying (laughs) so vividly Um, maybe it was Gabriel oh it it should it should be Raimondo and Gabriel they would not let us sleep bless them bless them yes they're 15 minutes of fame. Um, we, we probably need to, to, to call it a day for, for, for this episode, though we do need to talk a little bit about next week because we're oh, yeah. going to do, we're going to try and do this live thing, aren't we're we? We're going to do for, it live uh, next week. Yeah. Yes. On video the, as well. Uh, as, on, on, as part of the couch convention on the Sunday, I think it's 1.30. We're going to um, have to put clothes on. We are going to have to put clothes on. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, well, you've always got your socks on, um, so that's that's fine. Just, just work a bit further up. Um, he's just trying to show me his feet. Oh, no socks. Sockless. He's sockless. You're lucky that's all I've shown you. Ooh. Yeah, I, I've, I never wear socks when I'm in the house, if I'm being honest. In fact, I don't like wearing socks at all, actually. Um Anyway, um, so we're going to we're going to do Sunday one thirty couch convention live version of 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 Corona Diaries. Going to try and recreate a podcast as much as we can. Yeah. So you, we're going to get you a smoking jacket or something, aren't we, to sit and read the diary? In. I'll find something colourful to wear. Something yes. uh, when we do the I'll diary section. I face. promise not to try and disturb you when you're reading the diary, because um, yeah. you. Because you never have a problem reading the diary, do you, when you're recording No, it's it. fluent. Uh, it's always yes. fluent and, and peerless. And never edited, never, never to joined edit together. It, no. No, no, I don't sit no. there for days editing no. that bloody days. thing. No. No, no, never. No, not at all. Um, so, oh dear, my phone's ringing. How about this? Oh, it's my dad. All right, okay, got rid of him. Um, so, sorry, Pop. Um, so, yeah, so we've got that next week. What that means is... Um, before you all start jumping up and down, so before all the purple start jumping up and down next Friday, there won't be a chapter twenty released on the Friday. We are gonna we are gonna wrap up the live um, recording. We'll find some way of capturing it, and we will release that as chapter twenty. Oh, and look, there's my dad phone, and we have to abandon this, aren't we? Dad's, dad's um, very thorough. They are, they are, and I don't think this. I can yeah. find a way of. Oh, it's gone now. Well, let me speak to him. Yeah, I'll put him on. <laughs> you and him would get on so well. Um, um, where was it? Yeah, so when we're going to chat 20, we will put the audio out after we've done the live show. So don't jump in, up and down on Friday if you can't see a, uh, the normal podcast. Um, There'll be no early be... purple podcast for the purple people. Because yeah. Ant, and, Ant and I will be doing a production rehearsal on that Friday <laughs> to try and get our yeah. shit together to, to do it live on Saturday. 
Have you arranged the pyro? Sunday, I mean. Uh, the pyro. <laughs> Yeah. No, but Vibes has promised to film it, so there's a very good chance something will burst into flames at some point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to say I'm excited but just a little bit nervous at the same time. Yes, that's that's gigs for you. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I gigged. Um, so, uh, Frisson yeah. of terror. Frisson of terror. We'll, we'll see how we get on. So I guess the next time we we set some mics up and do something, we'll actually be in the same room. We will. Yeah, I've, I've got Lynetta digging a sheep dip right now that we can pop you through by the front door. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. It's lovely to see her with a spade in her hand. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll make sure you're, you're clean and serene before... Yes. Uh, before I let you near any of, well, I'll I'll, I'll whip, whip through Oxford. <laughs> I went to Oxford on the way there and just get myself checked out. You obviously, could, you, could go, you could, you could, but, <laughs> but, but practice winding your windows up and down before you go. Right, get, I'm going to go and do that now. Get that down I'm, to second nature. I'm I'm going to go and nip and, and sit in the car now and, and 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 have a go at that. Right, this has been chapter nineteen, folks. Yeah. Uh, Epic, I would say, <laughs> chapter 19, if I'm being honest. Never mind it, the quality, feel the wit. Indeed, indeed, there's some girth <laughs> to chapter 19, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, uh, thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Um, and I'll see you next week, H. Yes, actually see you. I'll touch you next see week. You. Yeah, indeed, indeed. indeed. <laughs> we can take it to a whole different level. There's a mug. Somebody get, somebody, somebody get us a synthesizer. <laughs> we'll form an 80s power duo. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I could change my name to Deck If it'll help Thank you very much To the morning park An Adrian kitchen Tyra Wells and Jennifer van der Kraft Craig Mellish and Paul Ellis David Rankin and Mark Pammer Steve Peacock Charlotte van der Kraft Thank you David Levi And Spencer LaSalle Thank you Mark Pembry And Patrick Becker too Cheers, Lee Owens and James Starry. And David Littrick, David Osler. And Chris Martin But not the Chris Martin <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.